there waiting for you and it's ready to go. You know what's uh, beautiful in our church, uh, um, many of you all may remember and, and many don't, um, we had for years Carl Frazier um, singing Beulah Land. Anybody remember Carl singing Beulah Land? And, um, and now Kenny uh, singing Beulah Land for us. And Kenny's about ready to have a, a grandbaby, um, number two coming up here grandson here in a couple days so we're going to teach him Beulah Land now right from the beginning so when Kenny goes on home to Beulah Land we'll have a come, someone come in right behind him and, and take that because we always have to have somebody being able to sing that song amen um, I'm going to have is Bobby still Bobby would you come up Bobby's going to pray um, for us um, today uh, we have a lot to be in prayer for we mentioned at the beginning and this last week we had a, a rain of surgeries in our church we had pretty good lot of them coming through uh Jay usually um, plays for us. He's over there in his uh, sling. Um, he'll have that on for a while. He had shoulder surgery. And I, I've said shoulder surgery so many times, I can't hardly say it anymore. Um, if you say that really fast, it sounds really bad. You know, it's, uh, um, but it's shoulder surgery. And um, Monday, and he's, doing, he's here with us, thank God. Um, Carol Laney had her wrist worked on um, this week. Um, and then... Um, Steve, usually in the, in the booth for us, he had knee replacement this week as well. So we want to remember all of our, uh, all the ones who went through that difficult time um, today. But, you know, we have so many ministry opportunities. If you take your um, bulletin and look through there, we're doing ministry or, and or a Bible study every single day of the week at First Baptist Church. We're having them here where you could come and do the Bible study here or they're out in the, in the community doing a Bible study. So constantly there's always a Bible study going on there's always an opportunity to serve to minister um, so don't think that, that we only have church between 11 and 12 on Sundays or the church is always working always going out and there's always an opportunity for you to be a part of that and if you would love to and one of those opportunities is is jail um, because that's what happens in this world today um, Edsel Perry, who started our jail ministry here at our church, I would, I would go to jail with him, and I always would get tickled because the first thing he always would say, you know what the only difference between me and you is? And he's in the jail when he's telling these people, and they say, what? He said, you got caught and I didn't. I always giggled at that, but none in jail ever giggled. Uh, they did not see the humor in the whole situation as I did and you do. Um, but, and that's what he wanted them to know, that we're all in the same boat, we're all sinners, um, but we all have the same hope in Jesus Christ. And Bobby is doing, Bobby and, and Donnie, they're doing our jail ministry now, and God's blessed in them. And, I, and they had a, something that happened for the first time that I've been in jail ministry happen this week. And I want him to share that with you, and so that you could pray with him and, that, and, and pray for those um, jail, the ones in jail. And every week we have a possibility of, of going in diff, different areas to minister in. But this is just one that you could put a face to and pray for and, and know that God is working in all areas of our com community. And thank God for that. Um, we asked last couple weeks ago our, our food bank to, for our homeless kind of dwindled back because we went through that cold spell. And we asked for you all to help. And man, did you help. Our cup runneth over in that. And then Blaine, um, uh, FCA, the young people there in Blaine, um, brought together 20-some bags of, 
of help for the, for the homeless that we have out there now. And on every single bag, those, those young people wrote, Jesus loves you on that. And, um, and when those homeless people come in, um, because those kids had a ministry heart, a heart for our, our, our community, they're going to get a bag from FCA there at Blaine that says Jesus loves you and filled with snacks and, and such as that. So we're blessed and we're thankful that we live in Louisa, Fort Gay, and Blaine. We're thankful that God has, has placed us where, where he has placed us and what we can do is honor and praise his holy name. So Bobby, you come and pray for us and allow them to understand what's going on at, at the jail. Good morning, church. It's good to uh, be here this morning. I first would like to thank God that he has saved me 40 plus years ago. Amen. And uh, thankful that he's still excited in my life as he was then. I have my ups and downs just like anybody else, but God is real. Amen. Thank God this morning and give him praise for the opportunity to serve in the jail ministry. And I've uh, been probably doing that for about a year and a half. And uh, Thursday night we had something happen that we hadn't had happen before. Uh, over the last two or three months, the jail had just got a new administrator. And uh, to my understanding, he's a new believer, just recently gotten saved and gave his life to the Lord. And the guy that takes us around to the rooms that we're going to be in, uh, we generally have 12 people, uh, 14 people maybe. Uh, and he called one of us out in the hallway and wanted to know if we would take two sessions rather than just one. Well, we chomped at the bit at that. You know, we get the opportunity to talk to more people. And uh, in both sessions, we ended up with 31 people that we were able to talk to and share a message about God to them. The ladies had a record number of people also. And as we began to start uh, our class, and then there were some of the guys in the back uh, was being pretty rowdy. They were talking, and it was hard for for me to get my message across and talk over top of them. And one of the guys stood up in the front, which I know really well, he's from this county, and he started bawling those guys out, just giving them down the road. And, and we're all kind of looking at one another, me and Donnie and Tanner, and, and we was looking at one another and thinking, you know, we're gonna have a big brawl right here in the middle of this. And I asked him, would he just please let God take it over? And here we are praying at the same time and asking God just to, to handle this situation. And he sat down, and as we began to give the message out, and some of them still be, kept talking, but as we began to give the message out, the message went to hitting each one of them individually. And it's amazing how God's word can reach people if we just give God the chance to do it. You know, our job is to just give the word of God out and let him and the Holy Spirit do the rest and those guys quieting down and it was as quiet as a church mouse in there and uh, so we praise God for what had happened and in the end of the service the guy that got up and, and uh, was uh, quieting everybody down he was apologizing to them and they were apologizing to us but the main thing was is God's word went out to them and we got to speak to 31 <laughs> 31 people that got to hear the gospel <laughs> And we need to give God the praise for that. Amen. Amen. The door's open. If anybody wants to go with the men and the women, we'd love to have you. 
we've got some new ones that started and some has told us they will come and play some instrument with us and uh, we're excited about that but uh, the doors open and we welcome everyone to come and help us out with that let us pray lord god we come to you this morning thanking you father for being able to know you, uh, Lord, as our personal Savior, uh, just sitting back and watching you be God, and how that you love people, and how that you want to love people through us, God, and that we share the message with them, and uh, we thank you for that. We ask you just a blessing this service today. Uh, pray for Pastor Chuck as he brings this message. Uh, Father, let it stir our hearts uh, to let us understand. Uh, the obligation, the privilege we have that we can go forth and some of the ministries, one, maybe several here at the church has to offer that we can get involved and uh, we can just see you work and uh, be glorified uh, in what it is that you want to do. Uh, Father, let us be tired of sitting back and, and not doing nothing. Let us glorify you and share the gospel and uh, see the power of the gospel go forth and change lives. We ask you to bless in this service, all the prayer requests, uh, the needs of this church, we ask you to watch over the youth as they go to this uh, winter jam today. Uh, Father, we just turn them over to you and that they would have safe traveling. We pray this in Christ's name, and amen. Amen. Thank you, Bobby. Amen. And I, it's uh, about a year ago I went with them. Um, they let me go every now and then. Um, and walk, we walk in, and I knew the guard. He's from here in Louisa, and he said, guys, don't worry about it. We watch you all. Everything's safe and everything. And it's really pretty pretty funny when you walk in the door and they slam that big door behind you and you go, kind of intimidating, isn't it, Bobby, when that door shuts and you're back there with them. And um, they said, you're, we're watching you. You're safe. Don't worry about it. Me and Bobby, uh, I preached. Bobby preached, and we went through it again. And about 45 minutes passed. And we had realized they had forgotten about us back there in the jail. And we were like, they said, just hit this button and we'll come. We hit the button. Nobody ever came. We hit the button again. We didn't come. Waving at the camera. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but let me share something with you. If that scares you, we do have other ministries in our church where they don't lock you in. Um, uh, the nursing home people are much nicer at the, than... Uh, than the jailhouse folk are, but, uh, but we do have awesome possibilities. But God puts that on your heart. We want you to be a part of that and any ministry we want you to be able to do because that's why we're here, to help men, follow mankind, make peace with a holy God. And that's what we're about every single day of our lives. If you would, turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, chapter 1, is where we're going to continue the story that God started with us and we've been doing over the last um, few months. Um, if you were heard a rabbi um, he would not say the book of Exodus. He would say, turn to the book of the names, the names. Um, and, it's, and that's how they know the book of Exodus. And why the book of names? Um, but the book of, opens with a list of the names of the son of, of Israel who brought their families to Egypt to escape the great famine. So that's why it's called the book of names because of all the names are given of the sons um, of Israel who brought their, their families to Egypt to escape the famine. God um, uses um, Israel's experience in Egypt to prepare them for the job that he had for them to do. 
And listen, and it's important for me and you to understand this. God is using whatever you're doing right now, whatever circumstance you're in, whatever event you're in in your life right now, he's using that to prepare you for the work that he has for you to do in, in the future. Me and you are always in a season of preparation. We're always being prepared by God to do the work that he has called us to do. And I'm thankful for that because God is always preparing us um, for what is to come. And what we see, he was preparing Israel for something huge because Israel is going to be the one who bears witness to the whole entire world that God is the one true living God. That's going to be their job is to allow the whole entire world to know who God is. But not only that, their job is going to write the Holy Scriptures. They're going to pin down Genesis, and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, so that me and you, even after they are gone, we're going to be able to know that God is the one living, true God. And not only that, the greatest job that they had and the job that God prepared them to do was they were bringing forth the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. So they had the job, and this, 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 this circumstance they were in in Egypt was preparing them to be able to do the job that God called them to do. And if you notice in, in, in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 1, it starts out with the word now. If me and you could speak Hebrew, um, I had Hebrew in seminary class, and that's the best I can say. I had Hebrew in seminary class. That's, that's, I'm not going to tell you anything else above that, but I did have the class. But it would actually not say now these are the names of the children of Israel. It would say and these are the names of the children of Israel. When me and you today, if you were in English class and you started a sentence with the word and, it could be possibly um, correct in English, but normally we put and as a conjunction somewhere where? In the middle of the sentence, not at the beginning of the sentence. But he starts out and or now at the beginning of the book of the Exodus, the first word in the sentence. Why? Because he is continuing the story that he started in the book of Genesis. And Exodus is actually the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. That's what the book of Exodus is. It's a continuation of the story of, the, of man who has fallen and is standing in need to be delivered by a Savior of this world. So we get to be a part of that over the next few weeks and understand that God is continuing not only the story, but God is continuing the story in me and in you. He's still working on us. He's not done with any of us at this point in our life. He's still beginning doing that great work. And the theme of Exodus is easy for me and you to remember. We have it right over these doors. Exit. And if you go back in Latin, the word exited is exit is exitus, A-E-X-I-T-O-S. And the only difference between exodus and exodus in Latin is the amount of people that's doing it. When me and you leave here, about 12, 15, you know, I'm not saying 12. I'm not going to just go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and push it out real quick anyway. We will exit here. 
because there's only a couple hundred of us in this room. But if there was a couple million of us in this room, we would not exit. We would ex it would be an exodus of us coming out of this place. So it's a number of people that are involved that makes the difference between the two two words. But the theme of Exodus is actually the going out of, exiting out of Egypt. And when we leave here, we're going to exit. But when Israel left Egypt, it was an exodus. But why did God's people, God's chosen people, why did they stay in Egypt after the famine? Uh, I hope you could... Uh, if you're able to answer that question, I'd love to know the answer to that question. Um, I, I, I would, I'd really enjoy that um, because I've studied and, and, and I really cannot figure out why they're still in Egypt after a certain amount of time. So I've given you three options this morning as a good preacher of why, they're why they were still in Egypt. You figure out which one you want to go or you could be like me and you like your options. You know, you could say one, two, or, or three. The first one we find in Genesis chapter 46 in verse 2, 3, and, and 4. In Genesis chapter 46, it says this, Then God spoke to Israel, Jacob, in the vision of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely do what? Bring you back up again, and Joseph will put his hand um, on your eyes. So we see probably the meaning behind Joseph putting his hand upon your eyes would be that Joseph would be the one who closes your eyes. He will be there with you um, when you die. And he said, I'll take you. It's okay to go down to Egypt but surely I will be the one who brings you back up from Egypt. So my first idea is why they're still in Egypt is simply the fact that God told them to go and now they're waiting on God to tell them to go back. So they're just waiting for, for that time to come. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that thought and, and I, I would be okay with that understanding. The second would be a famine or is almost identical to a pandemic in the sense that you have no idea um, and can argue about the length and time when it is over. Right now, I could be able to say, COVID's over. And then someone would look at me and say, no, it's not. I have COVID right now. Then I would have to say, well, you shouldn't be here. You should be home, right? Um, so you would say the pandemic is still going on because you're experiencing a part of that at this moment. And we still are today experiencing people who have COVID even now after we believe and we have been told that the pandemic is over, we're still having experiences that linger on after that. Just like that, when a famine is over, like right now, uh, the pandemic is over, but me and you still have a fear and a, and a hatred for and a dislike of COVID. And we're always thinking it's going to come back. We always think we're going to get it again. Just like that, if you just came through seven years of famine, that it's not like the next day food started flying off the shelves. 
It's not like the next day they started dominoes and started sending people pizzas. You know what I mean? It didn't happen just like that overnight. They were still, for years after the famine, worried that they were still what? Going to go hungry like they did before. And they haven't been back to to Israel. They hadn't been back to Canaan. So Ray really did not know how it was going there. So that's one of the possibilities that even though it was not a huge distance, it was still a distance for them to go back to Canaan to see if the famine was completely over. And the third reason is this, and probably the right reason, is they enjoyed a comfortable life in Egypt. They liked what they were having, they, where they lived. They, they liked what was going on. They, they enjoyed their, their life. They was, they was living it up. Now let me share something with you today, and not to be mean or, or hurtful to absolutely anybody, but most of us today live a pretty comfortable life. We got difficulties and pain and we got suffering, but most of us uh, enjoy where God's placed us. And we enjoy the lifestyle that we have. And we're living at a lifestyle right now higher than most anybody has ever, ever lived in the history of mankind. And we're kind of enjoying that. So we know how Egypt, how the Israelites in Egypt must have felt. Um, and this is all this new generation knows. This new generation has been born and been raised there in Israel. And they don't know of Canaan. They don't know of the land that God has promised them. And they don't know what it looks like. This is home for, for them. And we have 64 years between the death of Joseph and the birth of Moses. And a lot can happen in, in 64 years. And so this is where we're at. We don't really know why they didn't go back um, other than they're waiting on God. Other than they don't, they're afraid the famine's not over. Other than they're really enjoying themselves where they're at, but they're ready not to go back. So we're going to start with that, and we're going to allow ourselves to see that Israel was enjoying life. Read with me in Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, and if you look at the name Issachar, the best way to remember it is is a car, but he wasn't. Um, he wasn't. He was a man. Zebulun and Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, all those were descendants of Jacob. And listen, how many people they were? How many? Seventy. Seventy persons. For Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, all his brothers and all that generation. But listen in verse 7. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. The land was filled with them. So we see that Israel was enjoying life. The covenant that God made with Abraham was simply that they would multiply greatly. And what God is doing at this time is fulfilling his covenant with Israel. And that's what happens today. God has made a covenant of grace with me and you. And God is actively fulfilling that covenant with us today. 
But now they will we'll find out later on in Exodus that they are, have raised up to 600,000 men. So they went from 70 plus Joseph and his family to 600,000 um, people. Can you imagine the back window of that, that Chrysler minivan? I mean, they'd be stick figures just as far as you could see on that one, one van. You know what I mean? Just tons and tons of people that God actually blessed and, and, and they continued to grow and, and was doing that. And this came from a handful of people, 70 people that came from, from Canaan to, to Egypt to the land of Goshen. And now they moved from 70 to 600,000 men. And if you take that 600,000 men and you add their wives and children, um, most people tell you there's probably 2 million of them. 2 million, um, million people there in the land of Goshen. And everything's going great. Have you ever noticed when everything is going really great, there's always a but? And let me share this with you. This is not just for some people. But this is for everybody. Everyone here today is either in a difficulty, just come out of a difficulty, or heading flat spot into a difficulty right now. It's not, no one is immune to that. We're always going through tough times. And, and we see here this, this but that starts in, in verse 8. But a new king is now over Egypt. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8, Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph and he at all. Not only did he not know Joseph, uh, he, didn't know about the, he didn't know about the famine and he didn't care about the famine. He, he didn't care what Joseph did and saved the whole world. He didn't care what the, the, people of, of he, the Hebrew people have done. He didn't care about any of that, that stuff. He just knew that he was the new king and he was going to make a name for himself as the new pharaoh and he didn't care about absolutely anything else. But he did have a problem. If you would have watched um, Egypt News that day, Fox Egypt News or CNN Egypt News, there, there was the number one problem on absolutely everybody's mind, especially the king, the new king, and it was immigration. These Hebrews are getting out of control. And pretty soon there's going to be more of them than us. So it's going to be theirs, not ours. We're going to lose it all if we don't do something and we don't do something fast. So this new king wanted to bring in immigration reform. And you know why this hits hard for me and you today? Because it hits hard for me and you today. Because that's the number one problem you see out on TV, on anything you read. It's immigration. We're, we're worried about immigration always and have always been. So he his first thing as this new king, he put in an immigration reform plan. And in verses 9 through 14, we get to see his first plan that he wants to place in action as the new king, the new pharaoh of, over Egypt. Verse 9 says this, And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more, more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal, deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply 
And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh supply cities in Pythium and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. And their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. So the immigration reform was, they were going to deal shrewdly with them and cause affliction upon them. That word affliction means something that causes pain and suffering. So the plan that they had was to cause pain and suffering upon them. They pointed taskmasters over them and gave them jobs that nobody else wanted to do. They were already doing a job that nobody wanted to do and nobody respected. They were shepherds. Egyptians thought that the shepherds were the lowest of low. That no, one, no Egyptian ever wanted to be a shepherd they would, that would be below them. But it was not enough that they were shepherds. But now they gave them tasks. And their job was to make the mortar and, and the brick um, to build these, these cities of, for them, to, for all the supplies. Um, and take care of all the stuff that they did not work, didn't want to work. And they dealt shrewdly with them. But what happened was this. The more they dealt shrewdly with them and the more they afflicted them, <laughs> the more they were blessed. And it seemed the more they would, they would grow. Let me share something with you. A lot of people are scared to death that the church is going to be afflicted and that this world is going to deal shrewdly with the church. I want to share this with you. The more this world deals deal, deal shrewdly with the church and the more this world afflicts the church, the stronger the church will grow. That not only happens as a church, but it happens as an individual as well. So what happens many times when we're afflicted, it don't draw us farther from God, but it draws us closer to God. And that's what happened here. But what happened also was God told Abraham in his covenant that this was going to happen. In Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13, listen to what God tells Abraham. Then he said to Abraham, know certainly. You know, when, when, someone, when God tells you to know certainly, you better know certainly. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, these things that you should know that I will give you eternal life, that he will give us eternal life. You need to know that. Here he says, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. So from that point, for 400 years on, he is telling the Israel Jake, that those people, Abraham, that his people are going to be afflicted this whole entire time in a foreign, foreign land. So he allowed them to know. You know how important it is for us to know the Word of God? It is. 
It is when, when the Lord says it, when the Lord has given, given it to us, we need to know God's holy word. That is why it's important for our little ones to be in Sunday school. That's why it's important when we have these youth sessions and Bible studies, that all these different ways we offer Bible study, that we need to be a part of it because we need to know what thus saith the Lord because he is telling us what's coming. As a preacher today in 2024, I'm asked this one question more than I've been asked any question in the last month or so. Is the Lord coming back soon? That's what's on people's mind right now. When's the Lord coming back? And you know what that you have to do when someone asks you when the Lord comes back? You need to go back to Scripture and allow people to read for themselves what thus saith the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verse 2 through 5 something so powerful that I think it's so powerful that me and you choose not to listen to it. It's so overwhelming that we don't want to be overwhelmed by it. Listen to what it says. This is talking about when the Lord is coming back. When it's at that point we, when we will know when the Lord's coming back. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn, turn away. There's 19 things that's mentioned here today. And let me share something with you. If you, there is a, I watched a movie the other day about a guy named Hill who played in a, in a game uh, to be able to go to start to, to get into the, Montreal Expos uh, baseball team in the farm league and he went up to bat and he batted 11 times and he went 11 for 11. 11 for 11. And you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't pass that up. They had to take him. Even though his ankle was broken, he went 11 for 11 in a one game to be able to get into the um, farm league of the Montreal Expos. But you know what? If you take 19 of the things that God mentions in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5, the world that we live in today is 19 of 19. 19 of 19, batting perfectly of what the Lord says. You know what? I am not giving you a date when Jesus is going to come back because I'm not supposed to do that. But I am going to give you a time. We're closer today than we've ever been before. That's what you need to know, and that's what I need to know. And we need to be prepared for that day when our Lord comes back. It could be any day. But you know what? That's what the Lord says. And if we don't know God's holy word, then we will never know what God's have for us. Israel should have known. Israel should have known. Abraham should have said, you know what? This is what the Lord said was going to happen. This is what exactly was going to happen. And the Egyptian people... They worked Israel without any mercy. 
But the more they were afflicted, the more they, they multiplied. So Pharaoh knew that this wasn't working. So Pharaoh went to plan B, verses 15 through 21. Listen to plan B. Then the king of Egypt spoke to Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra, and the name of the other was Pua. i got to stop there because I always do this. If you're looking for a young lady's name at this moment in your life, think about Shipra and Pua. Shipra in Hebrew means beautiful. And Pua in Hebrew, Hebrew means, um, goodness, I forgot what it means already, splendid, splendid. So what beautiful names, but the names are beautiful, but what they did was even more beautiful than you could ever imagine. When you do the duties of a midwife for Hebrew women, this is the Pharaoh telling them this. When you do, um, I lost my place. When you do the duties of the midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, listen to what they said, I love this. Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are a lively bunch. And give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And it was because the midwives feared God that he provided a household for them. The new king had a plan that the midwives would, would do away with all the boys that were born. And, but those ladies chose not to listen to the king and chose to fear God and do that which was right. And God blessed these women with families of their own. I'm so thankful that me and you get to celebrate these heroes who chose not to do what they were told to do by the king, but they chose to do that which was right in the eyes of God. They risked their whole entire lives to do that which is right. How beautiful, how splendid it is to see people fearing God and loving his word. So it didn't work. The kids, they had any more kids and they grow even mad, mightier. So he goes to plan C in verse 22. Remember, as I read this, people have always been evil. And until the Lord comes back, people will always be evil. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, not the Jewish people, because they were not listening to him, but his people, the Egyptians. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born... You shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save, save alive. He ordered all the Egyptian people to throw the newborn Hebrew boys into the Nile River. How evil, how disgusting that was. And it was so miserable, it was so nasty, so unthought of, that God's chosen people who were so comfortable in Egypt is no longer comfortable. 
They're miserable. They hate what's happening in their lives. And now they know that they need to get out of Egypt. They know that they no longer can stay where they're at, but they need to go back to where they're supposed to be in their life. God's children are getting uncomfortable and they want out. I pray today that that movement is happening in my life and in your life. That God's people are uncomfortable in this world. And we're looking forward to Beulah land that's coming soon. But what we need today is we need an exodus out of this bondage that we have fallen into. We need an exodus out of this bondage of sin that we're comfortable in. But listen, it's not going to be a mass exodus. It will be an individual exit. Not a mass exodus, but an individual exit. Why? Because it starts with me and it starts with you. With Israel, God dealt with them as a nation, as a whole. But today, me and you, through the covenant of grace that we're under at this moment, God does not deal with us as a nation, as a whole, but he is dealing with us on an individual basis, in a personal relationship with each and every one of us. And he is calling us out of the wrong relationship that we're in into a right relationship with him. It's not going to be an exodus where two million people leave, but it's going to be an exit where I decide to leave the sin that I am in and repent of my sins and turn away and turn to a God who mercifully loves me and a Savior that has sent his, has died on the cross for me. Today, that's what the Lord's doing. He's calling us into a right relationship with him. He wants to deliver us from our sin. The problem is this. Israel did not know they needed a deliverer until the wheels fell off. And they discovered that they were standing in need of a Savior. And they didn't understand what was going on. You know, while this was happening, there was a man being born in Egypt. No one knew him. No one knew how it was going to work out. But his name that was supposed to be thrown into the Nile River. But you know what God did? God saved that little boy. Because he was the one that was going to be raised up to deliver his people out of Egypt back to the promised land. So when they were in a mess and didn't even know it, God had raised up a deliverer to deliver them out of the mess that they didn't even know they were in. You know what the good news is today? When we were in a mess that we did not even know we were in, when we were enemy of Christ and we didn't even know, when we were a sinner and didn't even know that we were a sinner, Christ was born 
in Bethlehem. The Lord was raising up a Savior, and we didn't even know it. He was raising up a Savior, and we didn't even know we needed it. But today, we have a Savior who died on the cross for our sins. And by believing in Him today and repenting of our sins, we'll be gloriously saved and will never perish but have everlasting life. Even though we didn't know it, we needed it. And now we have it. And His name is Jesus the one who is able to deliver us from our sin. This morning, if you have never believed upon Jesus, today is the day of He saved you. He will save you. And this morning, if you already have believed, but you've gotten to the place where you've forgotten that, you've lost that joy of salvation that you had years ago, like the church of Ephesus that lost its first love, you know what the Lord is able to today? He's able to renew unto us that joy of our salvation. To remind us of who delivered us from our sin. And we can put our faith in Jesus Christ today. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for calling us out of sin. Lord, we thank you for not allowing us to, lay, to stay in bondage in Egypt. But you want us out of that place to where we belong with you. And Lord, I want to thank you for forgiveness of our sins through your blood, through the work that you did on the cross for us. And today, by believing on you, we have everlasting life. Thank you for that beautiful gift that we have in you today. And Lord, I'd ask that you would work on each one of our hearts. And may today be the day of salvation for many. In Jesus' precious name, we do pray. Amen. Let's stand. This is our opportunity to, to come to the Lord um, through salvation. What you can do today as well. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, I start to fall. All those lonely roads that I have traveled on, there was Jesus. When the life I had came crashing to the ground, when the friends I had were nowhere to be found, I could see it then, but I can't see it now. There was Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been, where I'm going, even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it. There was Jesus. 
Thank you, guys. There's Jesus. You can be seated. Have the ushers come forward um, um, this, this morning and take up this tithe and offering. Our opportunity to give back to the Lord that which he has so um, graciously, graciously given um, to us. And we're thankful we might need a couple of helpers here today um, getting that out. Um, but we thank God for that possibility um, we have. Ray, would you mind praying for us, asking God's blessing over this, this offering? as a personal Savior. We thank you for the, this offering that it will be given freely and that it, you will multiply it to serve this community and others in the mission field. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you be with our, our children and our grandchildren that we teach them and they are be taught to seek your kingdom first and your righteousness so they have eternal life abundantly. In Jesus' name I pray. Praise the Lord. Amen. We've been in church today. Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God. Remember, tonight we'll be um, uh, back here. Pray for our youth as they're, they're traveling today. And um, thank God for all these possibilities. And all this week, every day this week, there's a ministry opportunity that's got your name on it somehow, somewhere. And we could be a part of it. So praise the Lord. So you all stand with us. We're going to close with a, with a song. Thanking God for everything he's done for us. Beulah Land.